0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
0: Hi everybody. Uh, we have a uh, really really great show today for change and uh, uh, Senator former senator Bob Kerry, former governor Bob Kerry is here. Former Well, no, you're still a Medal of Honor winner, right? You're you're Recipi- always will be recipient. That's correct. Yes, yeah, right. You don't win it. You don't have a contest for right. it. Right. The former president of the new school. That's correct. Which doesn't sound like a real school. But It way, is. So. I know it is yeah <laughs> no, it's a very good school. yeah uh, okay so let's do some chronological stuff uh, you went to Vietnam you were a Navy seal yes okay now that's a very uh, disciplined group right mm-hmm. the, the the being in Navy seal you got to be able to do like how many push-ups
2: I don't know I forget. You have to it's hold your breath
0: thing. underwater for like three minutes.
2: I can, <laughs> hold, I can hold my breath
0: for this entire show if you want me to. No, no. no but I don't I, want to do that. Uh, okay. And uh, you got the Medal of Honor. All I remember reading about it was climbing some cliff right. or wall, a sheer right. wall, to save uh, some of our, your men.
2: That's close enough. Right. Is that it? Yeah.
0: Okay. And then you get that. Okay. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for your service. Well, thank you. Yeah, is that where you lost the? Uh, that was it. That's where you got injured, right? That's, That's where you got, got wounded,
2: wounded. That's where I got injured. And it actually, uh, it gave me maybe the most important learning experience. So I spent eight months in a, in a hospital, in a naval hospital in Philadelphia, and learned a lot.
0: What did you learn? Uh, in the hospital. Uh,
2: well, first of all, uh, I had to be grateful because, uh, you know, it was, it was a government-run hospital. The government saved my life, it almost killed me to begin with. But then it saved my <laughs> life. So okay. Um, and
0: is this, I learned... a, is this a VA hospital no, or naval? Is this naval. naval. Ho- okay, okay. And I learned a lot about
2: uh, the importance of volunteer effort because a lot of volunteers came in and out of the hospital, uh, you know, offering to help us in one way or the other. And then I learned that if I, you know, wanted uh, to get anything done. Uh, I had to ask for help. I and mean, for a long time, I had to ask for help just to go to the bathroom. So, um, And in SEAL Team, you, yes, you operate as a team, but in some ways you're taught to be a real, the real men. Uh, don't ask for help. Well, uh, I learned at the hospital, real men do. So it was a very important lesson for me.
0: It, it, normally, when I have a guest, you know, I'll have an expert on. I'll have uh, Ernie Moniz on climate and the Iran deal, okay? Right. I'm just going to, we're going to go all over the place with you. Good, okay? because I'm not an expert on anything. That's right. Right. At thus, R- thus, a great senator. Right. <laughs> 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 okay, so let's let's talk about the debates specifically. Yes. You ran for president in uh, 92? That's correct. 92. And so you've been in these primary debates, have you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how many were in? The ones that you were in. How Five. many candidates? Five. That seems to be about right.
2: Yeah. Look, when you have ten people on a stage, it's not really a debate because you got even with the impossibly long 180-minute debate. Uh, you know, give the moderator 15 minutes. You're down. Each candidate's going to have. 12. Here's 15. what I think. Here's you just interrupted I... me. They're all going to have 12 to 15 minutes to talk. So it really we knew where you were going. You didn't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going. <laughs> You didn't have to finish that thought. Okay,
2: Jesus, this is getting
0: spooky. This is what I think. Yeah, when you have that many, and you're given a minute, weren't they given a minute like for their first answer?
2: Well, but take the total amount of time that all the candidates gets about 160 minutes, right? right. Uh, 160 minutes divided by 10 is 16 minutes each if they if they apportion it equally, and they don't. And so you want to make a statement of some kind. You're not really debating. Maybe you got to challenge Biden. Maybe you've got to challenge Kamala Harris. We, we'll have a, an effort to try to move up in the polls against one sure. person or another, but you're not really debating health care. You're not really debating foreign policy. You don't have enough time, and the structure doesn't lend itself. It, so to call it a debate, I think, is inaccurate. It won't feel like a debate until you get down to three or four or five candidates. And even then, it won't feel like a real debate until it's whoever the nominee is up
0: against uh, Trump. You get about a minute for a question, and then that means you want to pack as much into that minute. This is my theory of why the debates are almost unwatchable. Because you want to pack as much into that minute as possible. That's your minute on this, right? So you know that, and so you and your team craft a minute answer that really should be a minute 30 minute 40 of information that you just put into a minute by talking really fast and by memorizing the, sh- the shit out of this thing Right, and it's impossible <laughs> to listen to it's exhausting and, and uh, also when you're memorize something and just you know, it sounds like talking points, no matter how eloquent it is. I would like to see some people out there, some of the candidates out there. I, I'd like to see some room to go after Trump. Well, they will. When,
2: when the debate is with Trump, they'll go after Trump.
0: Well, yeah, but there'll be three debates with Trump. Those will be the debates. Those but, are the tr- debates. but 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 we're trying to determine who our nominee is. It would be nice to know which nominee would do best in those debates. I thought that debate where they spent 20 minutes, 20 minutes on uh, whether or not a single-payer uh, plan should or shouldn't have uh, private health insurance. It, it was quite an intense argument. We should be talking, we won 40 seats in the House on health care. And it was because the Republicans were supposed to repeal and replace. Remember that? Mm -hmm. They said they would do that for seven and a half years. Okay, they win in 16. They have the whole government. What do they do? What what have you been doing for the last seven years? (laughs) What have you come up with? Right. Apparently nothing. And they come up with a plan that 20 million people lose their health care and and there's no there is not protection for people with pre-existing condition people suddenly learn what's in the ACA finally and they go we like this and we're not going to vote for republicans who are voting to take away our protections and then he doubles down trump doubles down and supports this lawsuit right
2: that's correct
0: why not talk about that
2: well they did kind of talk about that. I mean, the problem uh, is, again, you're all of them agree that we need to do more than we're currently doing. All of them. I mean, there's there no Everyone single...
0: agrees that we should get the universal.
2: Yeah, and they all agree that, that that the starting point is the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, Bernie wants to go further than all the rest of them. I guess Elizabeth Warren and Kamala have signed pretty much onto what he wants to do. Uh, so it's a, yeah. Kamala has not. That's not okay, so she has Yeah, well, she did at first, and then she's and she changed.
0: She, yeah. She, she now has a 10-year uh, uh, ramp-up to it, which is probably what it would take. Well, it's complicated to go from the system we have now to single payer. It would be very, very complicated.
2: I, it's traumatic to go from, yeah, I mean, first of all, you have to answer the question, uh, do you think the deficit's going to matter if you have a Democratic president? And the answer is yes. Republicans don't care about the deficit with Isn't it Trump. funny? Isn't it funny? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're an American who cares about the deficit, you should want to have a Democratic president because every single Republican will be born again to saying, barring a trillion dollars, which is what you were doing this year to make the budget, that that's a problem. Now it's not a problem. Now they sort of, well, it is isn't or it isn't. You know, Let me open up anwar and I'll vote for your tax cut. So it seems to me what you're getting in general, and I think it is watchable, you're getting in general a, a presentation of the American people that the, whoever the Democratic nominee is wants to do more in health care, sees it as a particularly the cost as a real problem, wants to do something about climate change, cares about income inequality. I mean, you're getting I think broad brush, you're getting differences between the, the various candidates, but I think particularly in the last debates, you got a presentation that the Democratic Party, you can say it's too too far to the left, that, that that one way or another, but I don't think it's out of mainstream thinking of the American people.
0: I don't think it's out of mainstream yeah. thinking either. I think people agree. Let, you, you were president of New School, so that's so a four-year college? Yes. Okay. It, let, let's talk about this free college. Mm-hmm. I have this theory that affluent people should pay f- for college. The uh, uh, kids with affluent parents, uh, Felicity Huffman's. Mm-hmm. If you have enough money to, you know, get your kid in under full three senses, you should be able yeah. <laughs> to pay the, the the full boat. Okay, but we are making it so hard. For low-income and lower, you know, moderate-income people to go to college. You know, when I go around Minnesota and talk to students, I'm talking to people, the kids that are not in school full-time. They're not in school full-time at all because they're working 40 hours a week to pay for college and to pay to live. And that's why we have so much, uh, so many kids who fail to graduate. This is one of the things that creates wealth inequality.
2: If you look at the uh, household income uh, and how it correlates with the SAT score and the, and the ACT, that's where the rigging begins because there's an absolute upward curve as income goes up because you can afford to uh, hire tutors and so forth. You're going to get more time to be able to get a higher uh, well, test Well,
0: also, I mean, also, also abs- if your parents, they have had a college yeah. education yeah. or a graduate school education
2: right uh, I mean but look, you know. I also think I also think that part of the problem is that we've' been lim- made it very difficult. If you said to me, "I've got a billion dollars and I want to start a college, I want it to be regionally accredited, you know it'd be easier for it to go out and start a heart transplant center get to get the regulators to approve it. We've limited supply and then we've driven up a massive amount of demand primarily with with debt, and then we're surprised the prices go up beyond the rate of inflation. We really are not forcing the kind of innovation. Uh, that we ought to be forcing into higher education. Just one little innovation. Say to the colleges, we're going to hold you uh, responsible for half of the debt. Make it be recourse. I get all the cash. When you borrow money and go to the new school, I get the cash from the loan. Why not put me recourse for half the darn debt? So so the school
0: yeah. pays the kid half the Then I will
2: I will do two things if you're one of my students and I'm I'm gonna be a recourse. Number one, I'm gonna make sure you take some courses that increase the chances you're gonna get a job when you when you get out of college. And secondly, I'm gonna make sure you graduate. Because the guys that have the most trouble with debt are the ones that don't finish. So I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that you graduate, and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that you take courses that increase the chances you're gonna be able to pay off that debt. And right now you don't. Right now, you'd basically – because I'm i harmless. As, as a university or a college, uh, you don't come after me if my students can't pay back their debt.
0: I, I told you before we went on, I do a good Bernie. You do? I do a good Bernie. So a guy from the OECD comes to testify. You're
2: going to tell your listeners what OECD stands for? Yeah, it's
0: the Organization of Economically Developed Countries, but that's not what it stands <laughs> for. It stands for something like that. Yeah. But it's basically the U.S., Europe, uh, Japan – uh, Chile, right. uh, you know. Industrialized... Uh, Australia. Right. We used to be number one in the percentage of our adults who uh, have graduated college. And I think this was... They're going under the cohort that was under 40. We had now gone to ninth. Ninth. Mm-hmm. And so the guy from the OECD were trying to figure this out, why this is so. And so Bernie goes like... "I'm." Oh, I imagine that the uh, cost <laughs> of college is, uh, here in, in America is, is part of why we're, we're not graduating. As many kids as you do in Europe. Let me ask you this. <laughs> <laughs> to go to college in, say, Germany, how much does it cost? And the guy from uh, the OECD goes, well, uh, in Germany, you go to college for free. Okay, uh, well, how much does the cost say in France? And the guy said, in France is also free. How about Sweden? In Sweden, they pay you to go to college. <laughs> Isn't that great?
2: Now. Yeah, that they also have rigorous examinations to determine who gets to go to college. Does Bernie support that? Does the Bernie support saying only 20% of high school graduates are going to be able to go to college and everybody else is going to be set up uh, for a vocational program, which is what Germany does? Is that what he wants to do? I don't think so. No. No, he wants, to, he, he wants to basically say it ought to be free for everybody. And and it's not free. Somebody's got to pick up the tab for it. Again, I'm back to the colleges. You've got to say to the universities and colleges— you got to be part of the effort. I mean, look what Mitch Daniels has done at Purdue. The, for the last five years, there's no, no tuition increase. And the reason— The
0: governor of— uh, former, uh,
2: governor, yeah. former governor yeah. of, of Indiana, uh, president of Purdue College. Now, how did he do that? How he did he do it? Quit spending money. You spend less money, you charge your students less. I mean, okay. that's the problem. And and he—certainly, he, with an engineering school, it's so much easier, I guess, to do that. But you've got to put pressure on the colleges as well because it, all otherwise all you're doing— is driving more demand in the system with limited supply. And even a moron like me
0: understands that's going to drive up prices beyond the rate of inflation. What else? Do you I mean? want to talk about Pell Grants then. Because a full Pell Grant used to pay for like 90% of a public. Now I'm talking about a public college education. And now it pays for like 30%. So the, I'm just talking about these kids. You're right. The Minerva Foundation, which yeah. you're the head yeah. of, is is about reforming higher education, is yes. it
2: not? No, but it's about it, it, yes. The curriculum is is dramatically different. Students get a much different kind of an experience. Uh, yes, we use a fair amount of technology, but the most important thing is when you start off, and it's easier when you, in the beginning for existing institutions. It's very difficult. You just, no costs are put into the system unless you can justify it from the standpoint of quality. When, it's not full of adjunct faculty, we're hiring full time, uh, high quality faculty to, to to do it. But there's no real pressure right now uh, on those schools, and I think there needs to be. I'm not against trying to make a better effort to help young people be able to afford to go to college. Where
0: where, where is the increase in spending going? Is it going to frivolous things, or is it going to a beautiful, beautiful student union? Is it going to – I mean, why Let me ask you this. If
2: you want to learn something, Mm -hmm.
0: and my guess is
2: every now and then you do. You find yourself saying, well, there's something I'd like to know right? How do you do it? do you Do you go to some building where there's a classroom and wait for an adult to show up and walk in the front of a room and teach you something? No, That's well, the problem. That's an outdated model, and we're locked into it. You, you propose that in any higher education environment, and they go crazy. They think you're talking about MOOCs and And online education, it's very difficult to get into a conversation about using. And and oftentimes, it's very low cost. You get very low cost offerings out there that would enable a student to get not only faster, but in a cheaper way. And then you're left with the the responsibility of teaching these young people how to think. Anyway, we're way off into that. No, 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 no. This is an important conversation. uh, And it's really important. And by the way, by the way, the other thing is for Liberals, uh, I don't know where you get the money unless you're able to come to people like myself and say, hey, Bob, you're 76 right now. You look at how we're spending money at the federal level. We're going to spend another $80 billion this year over last on people over the age of 65. And there won't be any debate. It's mandated in the, in the, in the programs uh, for, for eligible beneficiaries. So you're and, talking about
0: Social Security and Medicare. Social Security,
2: Medicare, and, Medi- and long-term care for Medicaid. Yeah. You, and you propose any changes in those programs, and you think you're going to be proposing seniors go foraging in the alley for food. Uh, I'm, there, are, I'm,
0: there are some seniors that that's what they live on and i've
2: I, I, I look i'm 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 for increasing the amount of money that goes to low income seniors I'm for making a change so the so that working for women who've who've stayed at home uh get some kind of equity i mean there's there's things you can do to make the program fair from the bottom up but my god you that's not what we're talking about okay. what we're talking about is is you remember in the in the in the famous uh, budget of 1993, uh, Clinton's budget of 1993, the most— con- Oh, right. Yeah, what was the most controversial thing in that budget? It was supposedly raising taxes on— Taxing the, the rest of the, your Social Security so benefits.
0: Above a certain Above amount. a
2: certain amount. And, and you know, that wasn't—we weren't going after low-income people. Uh, it was—and oh, the, and the response was, I'm just getting back out what I paid in. Said, Baloney, you're getting a lot more back out than you paid in. we have to be able to have an honest conversation with the elderly in America to say, if you really care about your kids and your grandkids, now if you don't, maybe we'll just strike that from our vocabulary, but if you really care about them, you have to look at how we're allocating federal money.
0: And And it's not fair to young people. The original deal when Social Security was passed, the average life expectancy was 65.
2: Oh the original deal was a $1,000 and we taxed we taxed like 49 million people on behalf of 200,000 beneficiaries. Right. You yeah, the, the original deal and then every 2 years after the second world war we greatly expanded the program including in the early 70s when 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 Wilbur Mills wanted to be president of the United States he pushed to 220% and you look at the the increases in the in, in annual increases in that program and it's startling Seventy percent in 1970, twenty uh, percent in 1970, twenty percent in 1971, forcing Nixon to accept the cola. So now we're on the slippery slope of the program went, <laughs> the, went went It's become an enormous, especially as 401ks have replaced defined benefit. It's become a really important part of our retirement programs. I'm not I'm not talking about replacing it at all. As I said, I'd make it more generous for a lower income, but we need to have an honest conversation. I, I, I
0: think that's very important. Again, this is not. Uh, my typical podcast, but you have a wide-ranging uh, mind, obviously, and also are not an expert on anything, anything. Exactly except, right. I'd say, on education. But so but okay. we're going to leave that. I you were on the nine eleven commission, were yes. you not? Yes. Okay, okay. I have got a few questions about nine eleven and the commission. Okay, or not the commission, but what the commission discovered. I've always wondered about Condi Rice. <laughs> And a couple of things. First of all, uh, the bin Laden determined to strike in U.S. That mm. was that the was memo. the memo, right? right?
2: Look, I think that the environment at that time was, you know, this isn't that we're, we're not really that afraid of al-Qaeda. I mean, we should, all the way back to 93, uh, you know, Ramzi Yusuf is a nephew of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. So, I mean, he... he Uh, tried to knock down the World Trade Center
0: in 1993. But I want to ask about Condoleezza Rice. She said we had never envisioned airplanes being used as weapons. But as I recall, there was some kind of like G7 or G whatever they had Mm -hmm. then meeting in Genoa a, uh, a year or so before where they got Bush out of there uh, because they had been warned that there might be planes coming in and crashing into the... the is this part of the...
2: That's yeah, in the report.
0: That's yeah. in the report, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, how is it possible that she did not know
2: oh, well, that I did, this I, was
0: potentially... Oh. She said we did not... No, we I, did not I, envision. I,
2: again, I think it, 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 it altogether too easy to do. Is say, okay. Now we know they knocked down the World Trade Center. We know they killed 3,000 people. We know they got that done. How is
0: it possible?
2: I, I see uh, a plane is in a previous memo. They're going to attack. I
0: mean, you're seeing these. It's mel- not just in a previous memo. They got the president now, out I, of there. I
2: understand. But I think her, her statement uh, that nobody could have imagined is a little broad. But there wasn't a general conversation going on about this. Um, I mean, we didn't. We, if we you're the
0: national security advisor, and everyone's going like, you know what? We're going to move the president. <laughs> no, but look, at, because it, it, we're it, worried about you, planes you do, coming you, you in. You do have a few people
2: in, in the public that were having conversations about Bin Laden and Al Qaeda in the 1990s, but it wasn't regarded. It should have been regarded. We're, you know, it wasn't just Condoleezza Rice. I mean, one of the most important things we did in the 9/11 Commission was we we said uh, that we're not going to have minority reports or dissenting views. We're going. We're not going to. You know, I'm not going to attack Bill Clinton and I'm not going to attack George Bush. There, there was a failure across the board. And as a consequence, we were enormously vulnerable. And was she a part of it? Yes. But was Bill Clinton a part of it and, and, and all the other people? Yes. They were all a part. Was I a part of it? I was on the Intelligence Committee at the time as well. I wasn't out there beating the drums. I saw all the things, all the documents you're talking about. And I didn't put it all together either. Okay. damn you. Damn you, Bob Carey.
0: My god.
2: <laughs> you had that I am so pathetic. I, I was I was I, a... you you had a red meat thing there. and You thought we were going to get down in the mud and wrestle. So, anyway.
0: Thanks a lot. That's all I can say. Okay, now you talked about them hitting uh, the World Trade Center in 93. So, this is another thing that's been bothering me for a while. Giuliani put the Crisis Response Center in the World Trade Center, am I right? That's correct. Why would you do that? If terrorists had tried to take down the World Trade Center, why would you put the Crisis Response Center in what you know is well, one of their targets?
2: Well, remember, they, they, they didn't take down the World Trade
0: Center. I understand presum- that. They tried,
2: though. Well, but the presumption was, I mean, the chairman of my board at the New School, John Tishman, uh, you'd ask him before 9-11, is it possible to bring that building down by hitting it with two planes? He'd say, absolutely not. So it wasn't like you know, people were sitting there saying, we better move everything as far away from the World Trade Center. Quite the opposite. Uh, it appeared to be a, an, almost an invulnerable target. That's what made it so shocking.
0: The collapse.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so... Two planes will go in there and then the crisis center will continue to do their job. No, I mean, that, that was the I, I, thought? Yeah,
2: no, I mean, I. I I'm but they sure. did
0: not envision the two planes,
2: is what you're saying. They didn't, even with two planes, they didn't envision two planes. They didn't envision that it was a possibility that two planes hitting the World Trade Center uh, would cause the structural damage that would bring that building down.
0: Not even the, the, the guy
2: who built that building thought that was possible.
0: Remember the movie Titanic? It was a big, big movie. Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah. they're
2: sitting on on the bow singing a song.
0: Yeah, or they're king of the world, right? right. And uh, they go to the dinner with the fancy people, right? And uh, the designer of the ship is there, of the Titanic. And uh, somebody makes a toast to him because he has built the unsinkable ship. Do you remember the scene? They toast to the unsinkable ship. To the unsinkable ship. Congratulations. You've built the unsinkable ship. (laughs) Okay, so now, later in the damn movie, they hit the iceberg. Okay? The designer of the ship, the guy who's built the unsinkable ship, goes to the captain. You remember this? And he explains it's going to sink because it's going to go into this compartment and this compartment we're going to sink. And... The captain doesn't go, Remember the toast? Whatever happened to the unsinkable ship? <laughs> Remember <laughs> to the unsinkable ship? Jesus. What oh, the God. fuck, man? We had this toast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you are... A test case for the reason that we should legalize medical marijuana right now. maybe just a little bit of THC and the
0: conversation changes. I don't know why <laughs> the captain didn't just go nuts on the guy. Instead, I, the captain goes, "Well, okay, I guess if you had written the script, guess, I'll be dead soon." and
2: If you had written that script, it would have been a better movie.
0: Okay, so <laughs> okay done. that's 9/11 we've covered okay, 9/11 and, yeah.
2: and, and the Titanic
0: and the... I'm, I'm just saying, uh, putting the response center in uh, the World Trade Center, I do not think was good. And also, with, with the radio frequencies between the fire and the police.
2: I, I, and by the way, we tried to get Congress to, uh, to make changes that would allow that, you know, that piece of the bandwidth to be used by them, and we couldn't get it done. So, it, yeah, it's – y- there were lots of mistakes. You mean mistakes. the commission tried to do yeah. that? Lots of, you know, tried to get Congress to do it. But it was lots of but the, mistakes. But the
0: commission tried to get Congress after, after, the, re- after. the
2: report. Right.
0: And, and and Congress wouldn't do it?
2: No, you know, the, that bandwidth's pretty valuable to the big guys. They didn't want to give it up. So anyway, so you, you've, you've you've identified mistakes that, get, that made that contributed to it. I'm far more worried about mistakes we're making now than I am. Oh, was.
0: let's go into mistakes we're making now. Yeah. Let's Perfect transition. Right. Do you think Trump <laughs> <laughs> might be making some mistakes now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that uh, the way he has sort of organized his foreign policy <laughs> team uh might make us more vulnerable uh to mistakes? Yes. Uh huh. Uh do you think that uh, we're less engaged uh, with the, the people who have been our allies, the countries that have been our allies since uh, the end of World War II? Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll get a no. <laughs> we, Do you think we... he's handling anything right?
2: <laughs> I, I don't think he's wrong about the, the way the Chinese have taken advantage of our allowing them to go into the WTO in, in, in 2000. No, I don't think he's wrong about that at all. I think he was right to put sanctions on Iran. The problem is we've got on Iran. On Iran. The problem is okay. we're we're, you know, we've been we've been backing up the Saudis in their war in, in Yemen. And, yeah, uh, I, I and was. The Uthis hit hit them with a ten thousand dollar drone. I mean, a fifteen thousand dollar drone. I mean, that's a that's a and we can't blame that on Iran. We're the ones. That, the, the the Trump administration is the ones that refused to cut off support to the Saudis in the, in their war.
0: And it was and me and Chris Murphy and oh uh, Rand Paul
2: who started that. Who and started Mike
0: it. Lee, the four of us, yeah. said we should stop doing that. You were right. And uh, uh, I was right. You were right. I was right. Yeah. God, it's a shame I'm not there. Anyway. <laughs> 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 okay, on China, though, it seems that uh, we are not using our allies. Uh, we had Austin Goolsby on this, and he was saying that in, in the past, when uh, like what they were doing with their currency, you got the whole world, the whole rest of the of, of the Western world, saying you got to you got to change this, and they did. But what he's doing is just, to, I mean, the oh, style. Oh,
2: but they changed a little bit. They did a little bit of revaluation, but they didn't do that much. I mean. Really, I mean, I, 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 the, the, the tactic of going hard against China is the right tactic and, uh, because that's the only thing, the only thing that's going to get them to move. Uh, I th- do I think it would be better if we, had, uh, if we had not gotten out of the TPP and we're, we had a group of people that were, were coming at China with the same message? Yes, but it's not uncommon for the United States of America to identify somebody in the world that's been behaving badly and China is behaving badly. He's he, he is not telling the truth when he's saying that China's paying for the tariffs. They're not. We're the ones <laughs> well, paying yeah, for the tariffs. Uh, right? it, it does put our own economy at risk at some point. But he isn't wrong that they're behaving badly. And I think the, the, if you ask me, my greatest fear with China is the possibility that a deal gets cut. And basically then that gives Xi Jinping a, a basically a green light to go in and, and use what military force he's got lined up to shut down the protests in, in uh, Hong Kong. Uh, it'd be better to, to come in and get some kind of an agreement, but with the Chinese, oftentimes you, it's accurate to say that a, an agreement is just a temporary interruption in the negotiations. So whatever you get, uh, it isn't going to be forever. Uh, we had rules from the, from 1946 to 1991, and now the question is, what do we do after that? The Cold War ends in 1991, and we assume that uh, all the parties to the Cold War are going to start obeying international rules. And it's much harder to do than just to say it. So I think the the, the presumption should be we're going to have a set of rules. If you want to participate in the global economy, you've got to agree to abide by those rules. I don't think he's completely wrong on NATO. I mean, we are NATO, for God's sakes. Without the United States of America, there is no NATO. Uh, I think it's an important organization. I think we've been constructive in that organization. You're talking
0: about the amount of of, of resources that our allies in NATO spend.
2: That's exactly right. Right. Um, uh, We're being chumps. Well, I don't see chumps is a little strong. I mean, I know they will get a rally uh, on their feet. That's I'm not, I'm not very good at playing the populist card personally, but I do think it's a there's a, a fair case if you're working in the United States of America that says you you don't mind uh, defending Europe, you don't mind NATO and, and us taking the lead in it, but you you want fair trade with Germany, and you want fair trade with Japan, and you want fair trade to those those countries who are benefiting from our military efforts.
0: Okay. Uh. This uh, Afghanistan thing, the, the the have the Taliban, uh, Camp David, right before nine eleven. It seems very unfortunate that.
2: Yeah, the timing was uh, put a mildly bad, but worse than that. Look, we, we Afghanistan is exceptionally difficult, and I hear people say it's a war that uh, without end. Well, the Cold War was a war without end. I mean, at what point did we say, well, okay, we've done enough in South Korea, we're going to pull the plug and get out? I mean, I, I do think that uh, if we were to precipitously leave Afghanistan, it isn't just about the Taliban and ISIS and others coming back and using it as a sanctuary. It's how do you feel about the suffering that women are going to, uh, going to come to women in, in Kabul and north of Kabul. There's a story about um, you know a medical center just north of Kabul that, that women go to because it's you know, they have better—it's uh, it's an Italian organization that runs it. I mean, it's—you've uh, you got to answer the question, okay, now we're gone, what what happens then? Are you willing to tolerate that consequence? I'm not—I think a precipitous withdrawal is a, is a terrible mistake, um, and I think uh, the negotiation that we're, was going on you know, put the Afghan government at a substantial disadvantage because we were negotiating with the Taliban.
0: And they were not in the talks.
2: They were not in the talks. And we're not going to be in the talks until the right And they're killing us, for God's sake. It's not like they agreed to a ceasefire. Uh, there'd be one thing they said, OK, we're going to we're going to stop killing civilians in Afghanistan and killing Afghan um, um, uh, police force and military officers. We're going to stop that. Uh, and hope we get a negotiated uh, an agreement. No. They, they. What they're trying to do is kill as many people as possible, putting pressure on us to...
0: To want to get out. To cut and run. Yeah. I think cutting and running is... I, mean, I don't know how parallel it is to completely leaving Iraq and ISIS coming in, but it feels somewhat parallel. And so... Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You were talking about ISIS and... and uh, yeah, I do think it's somewhat parallel. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The dividing line between myself and the president, just so you understand, is is actually a dividing line between myself and Steve Bannon. I'm a globalist. I'm a secularist. I believe uh, that the United States of America is special and that we can have an impact on the rest of the world. We we aren't exporting democracy, but we have values, and those values matter. It's a unique construct, the United States is. We can have a conversation about the Electoral College and problems with the Congress and so forth, But it's a unique construct that gives individuals a tremendous amount of freedom. And back to the criticism of our educational system, uh, you know, close the visa windows. I mean, we have a comparative advantage in higher education. For all the flaws that we have in our education system, the rest of the world wants to come here. We have a unique role to play in the world. And and so I come and say, I don't want to cut the number of refugees that we're taking back. If anything, we ought to increase it. This country isn't. The the fact that we're not
0: taking refugees from Syria is a sin. Isn't
2: it? Well, I don't. It's
0: it's wrong. Um, that, you know, that's you're why the, uh, you're doing the, something wrong is a sin. Well, if
2: you're, if you're if you if you're a religious person and you're you you know think you're going to go to hell if, by doing, I I, I I mean I think it's all I need to say. Oh, is I see. I think it's wrong. I don't so think you're, it's,
0: you're using sin literally as a religious thing.
2: Well, that's that's what it is. It's a religious word.
0: Well, okay, that might be true. But I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not accusing
2: you. I'm, you're, ask, you're asking me the question. No, okay. I think it's. I think it's wrong, and we're, this country is not one of the great things we did after the Vietnam War. And we've done a lot. I've been involved in a, in a bipartisan effort since 1991. It took off in '95 when we normalized relations with Vietnam, helping them build. An and area. McCain was
0: a big part of that, right? McCain
2: is a part of it. John Kerry is a part of it, but but it started with Herbert Walker Bush. It continued with Bill Clinton. It continued with 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 George W. Bush, and continues today with, with Donald Trump. Yeah, it's con- it's gone over four administrations, Republican and Democrat. But the most important thing that we did after that war, and it was it was the Ted. Both K- people. Well, no, we changed the law. Ted Kennedy did it. We let a million Vietnamese come in. Here. And I remember people saying, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. All these Vietnamese coming in here, they're going to, you know, they're going to be bad for the country. They've been just the opposite. Exactly. Just the opposite. And I think one of the one of the things I'm saying that Democrats in particular need to do is answer this question. How do we make globalism work? If you're if you believe in globalism, if you, if you want to act locally and think globally, the question is, what what are our trade rules? What, what, is our, what, what do we need to put in place for a safety net that's going to work? How do we organize our educational system so it actually does produce people that, that have a fighting chance to get a job? And back on the safety net, I mean, you've seen the decline in the defined benefit uh, pensions. And it's, you know, you you're basically left 401K accounts. Right. We've got to figure out a way to reward work and have a different set of rules if we expect to be able to, I think, win an argument that we, we figured out how to make globalism work. Because otherwise all you're doing it seems to me, is fighting a losing battle.
0: You know who you sound a lot like? Who's that? Trump. I do? <laughs> <laughs> I just like uh, oh, the idea God. of no. him putting three words together that make yeah. any sense at all. So uh, do you worry about uh, Trump Winning. And you have to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. Do, I, mean, I, I mean,
2: I don't, I don't want him to, to be reelected. I have a case against him. I mean, it's mostly his policy. I mean, I think his behavior is bad. And I think uh, one of the things that Republicans have done is just isn't good. It's, sort of, it's what Joe Dunford, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, says that if you walk by something that's substandard and you don't do anything about it, that's a new standard. And they've lowered the standard for behavior. They've lowered the standard for telling the truth. Okay. Let's talk um, about the
0: Senate since yeah, you left it. Yes. Um, these Republican senators are not pushing back on him at all. it seems.
2: Well, no, they they are, but you know what it's what it's like you you served under a Democratic president. It, it is harder for a Democrat to criticize a Democratic president. I got a few times in, in, engaged in arguments with President Clinton and and I remember how there were Democrats who got mad at me for doing it. And so likewise with a Republican, it's not easy. Uh, to do it, and he is a dominant force on Twitter. I mean, he has a he has a he has a loyal following of people who want to shake things up. Uh, and as you know, you've been down there. You, it, it, the place does need to be shaken up. And he, again, he's not. He's, unfortunately, the swamp's gotten bigger under him than it was before. Uh, but no, we
0: just our last podcast was that it was just uh, the yeah. corruption during this yeah. administration.
2: Look, if I if you tell me that tomorrow. I've got to I've got to get in the ring and fight Mike Tyson. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I'm not going to make fun of his his tattoo on his face or his behavior or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to get in the ring with a formidable opponent, and he's a formidable opponent. He will not he, he will not be easy to defeat in 2020. I want to defeat him. I don't want him to have former more years. I, I think. His environmental policies are terrible. I think his social policies are terrible. I, I think his economic policies are not good. There are many uh, arguments well, that I would use against him. I think that particularly on, on, on issues like climate, it may be his worst legacy. Maybe the thing that he's going to be remembered for the most. All the backtracking that is occurring on environmental policies, I think, are going to add up to a disaster at some point down the road. So I have plenty of reasons to hope that he does not get reelected. But that hope doesn't begin with me saying he's he's foolish and silly and he's going to be easy to be. He will not be easy to be.
0: Oh, I'm very, very concerned about it. Yeah. Because another four years, climate is one of them. Immigration is another. You were just talking about the Vietnamese coming in after the yeah, war. Yeah,
2: no, immigration is another one.
0: And you were talking about Social Security. Yeah. So if, oh, yeah. if, if we're going to make Social Security anywhere near solvent, we need people coming, uh, younger I people.
2: I agree. No, no. It, and by the way, it, you're not going to do immigration. You're not going to do uh, Social Security. You're not going to do Medicare. You're not going to do the big ones unless somehow you can put a, a group of Republican Democrats together. You, you, were, you were there on immigration. Uh, you know how hard it well, is. We did you know?
0: and, and uh, But the House wouldn't take it up.
2: Yeah. But it's, it, you're going to get criticized on the left and you're going to get criticized on the right if you do the, if you put together a coalition of people that will support Comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, we before. did it.
0: We I We did it. And I know. I know. Um, boy, that would have been a, a, a good thing if we had done in yeah. 13. Yeah. And uh, we got 68 votes in the Senate. That's pretty good. Is there anything you uh, want to hear? Uh, know from me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've no. never
2: asked that before. So uh, can I tell the Paul paw story? <gasps>
0: oh, gosh, yes. We
1: so need watching, to talk about so this. Might, uh, yes, yes, we need so this to do is, this. Thank this you. Is, Thank you. This uh,
2: will not be easy for you to do because you're going to have to remain silent while I'll tell it why. Oh, I want to hear your version okay. of this my, story. S- my okay. story. My version of the story is far better than whatever version you've got okay. rolling around in that bony little head of yours. So, okay. Uh, I'm watching C-SPAN one morning while mm-hmm. I was still in the Senate, and you were on it. And I think it was 2000. You were out campaigning for a variety of different people. No,
0: no, 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 no. I, I'm sorry because I want to hear your version. No, no, you don't, don't correct the I know what day. year it is. Don't
2: correct the date. It doesn't matter. The, read, the listeners don't care. But but there's 96. I was promoting
0: Rush a Big Fat Idiot and other observations. So, so what year was it? Uh, 1995.
2: Okay. so it's But, but you were also out campaigning for other uh, candidates and yeah. so forth that yes a, yes anyway I've, so I've, I've, I've they have I i don't know if they still have but they have a democratic uh-huh. line and they have a republican line and uh-huh. calls come in in the democratic line and a call came in on the republican line and this woman just burned you to the ground i hate everything you've said this morning i disagree with everything that you've done and earlier uh, in the conversation the moderate the, the 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 interviewer had said to you uh is there, you know, you campaign for an awful lot of people, Al. Uh, have you ever had any regrets? You know, like somebody gets elected and you 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 you're, it, it upsets you afterwards. Uh yeah, only one, Paul Pot. Now, knowing that you're, very few of your listeners know who Paul Pot was, he was a man okay, I think. responsible for an auto genocide in 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 Cambodia. So, uh, uh, at the end, you say to this woman, "Was there anything?" <laughs> That you like about what I said here this afternoon? And she said, yeah, I like that Paul Pot joke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is true. One of the things is I I had a book out, Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot and Other Observations. And this was like the first interview I did on the book. And it was one of these morning C-SPAN shows. And, you know, I did not understand that these C-SPAN hosts – have strict, strict rules of not to laugh at anything. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because it show, what you laugh at shows, shows, a bias. shows a bias. So she'd say, like, um, tell me about you know the title of the book. And I'd say, well, uh, I thought of it because Russian law is uh, very, very fat. He's a huge, huge, fat, obese, man, very. Very, very fat. And she's like, (laughs) she's like, I can see that she thinks it's funny and she's trying to hold it, uh, not break, not break up. And so the whole thing, she did the pulp, you know, uh, any regretting, but yes, Pol Pot. Uh, We went out and we did something for him in Cambodia. And uh, yeah, really regret that you remind me of that almost every time we I talk.
2: It's a good moment. So you just use it, you just use a verb that I heard you when you were interviewing Dana mm-hmm. which is break. Ah. The comedian is doing a skit uh, breaks out laughing. Is that
0: Well, the comic actor. The comic
2: what, I, I, I apologize. The comic actor, uh, Is there a difference between a comic actor and a comedian?
0: Yeah, because a comedian you think of doing a stand-up, and a stand-up can break. That's okay. Break Break means laughing, right. just breaking down and laughing. And um, we had, a, in the first five years of SNL, we just had a, a Lorne hated it when when, act, when, when when the cast would break up, and, he, he, and we didn't. And he basically said, there'll be no break. That's, that's very Carol Burnett. Is it? That's what he That's what he would say. And then as the show, now the show's 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, they do more of the breaking. And, and people, you know, the audience goes, oh, they're breaking. Oh, that's okay. And that's why Carol Burnett did it for the same reason. Wow. It, it, it's just that, oh, you know, we're watching a moment where the actors break up. <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited.
2: Well, I'm going to break now. Okay. It's great to see you.
0: Really good to see you. You're doing great. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week.
1: Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show The Swan.